I'm not saying that's why they should, but that's why people cheat on their wives. That's why people do all sorts of terrible things. Mm-hmm. It's even why people stay at companies they hate. You know this guy who, who works at a company, he just despises it, but he's validated. Well, it's one of the top 10 law firms. Well, it's one of the best marketing places in town. Well, da 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 Yeah, but they treat you like crap and they don't pay anything. I know, but so he feels validated in some ways from that. And it just, it, it has so much control over us. Same thing with self-validation. You do a thing and you're like, yeah. Or even when you're buying your toys or technology, if you ever think about it, you can follow mentally where you're like, should I get that watch? Should I get that car? Should I get that thing? You don't go, yeah, that would be cool and useful and technical. You go, oh, someone would see me in it. Oh, that felt good. Oh, someone would look over and see that I'm, hmm. And now you're like, you're going through the motions of the validation this thing gives you. And then you go, well, now I have to get it. Okay, I'm getting it. Thank you for checking in with us on this edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. And remember that our goal here is to entertain your brain and entertain we shall. But before we get started, I want to remind you all to please go to Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or wherever you download the podcast that you listen to and hit the subscribe button for our show so that you can bring the variety straight through your ear holes and into those big, beautiful brains of yours without even having to think about it. You can also download the episodes of the launching pad for all things cerebral at thecepodcast.com. And also, don't forget that we love staying in touch with you, so be sure to reach out to us on the socials or by email at cerebral at thecepodcast.com. Now for this edition of the CEP, we bring you Mark Bradford. Mark is an author. He's a podcast host, the inventor of the Alchemy for Life coaching system. He's a dating website creator and much, much more. Mark brings a wealth of experience to the table and instead of using his negative life experiences to exact revenge on his enemies, he instead creates fun and interesting ways for other people to learn from his personal experiences. So be sure to subscribe to Mark's podcast called Alchemy for Life, where all great podcasts can be downloaded. Follow him on Instagram as author Mark Bradford and on Facebook as one Mark Bradford. And you can check the show notes for those links. Also go to alchemy4.life and thestatusgame.com to dive into Mark's intriguing strategies for self-improvement. Now, without further introduction, here we go. Hey, everybody, welcome back to yet another edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. I am James, and with me as always is my good friend Colt. As always. And with us today, Mr. Mark Bradford. He's an author. He's a web developer. He's got a lot of things going that we're going to talk about today, so it's good to have you with us today, Mark. It's good to be here. I appreciate it. And so on this list of accomplishments, let's just start with one thing that I have no idea what it even means, and that's a, an SQL developer. What is that, oh, Mark? It, it just has to do with, it's a database. It's, it's what most larger websites run on. It's what businesses run on and things like that. So it's just a database, SQL, uh, usually pronounced SQL. Okay. It's, okay. Just, it's, a, it's a nerdy tech term. So. Okay. And when yeah. it comes to that kind of tech, I am, I'm running blind, I'll be honest with you. So, but it seems, will, like, it seems like that having that skill set, having that experience and that, that knowledge behind you opens up a lot of doors. What can you tell me about that? It, it does. It's an interesting duality. So when I come up with concepts and I, and I can't help but keep coming up with concepts, I actually have the ability to put that hat on then and then become the developer and then create it all the way to fruition where someone would just make a, a proof of concept. I have to do the whole damn thing and create the logo and everything else. So, And that's what happened when I built the dating site from scratch. I built a writing site when I first got into writing. I had a couple thousand members on that and so on and so forth. So it allows me to just go to dig in and turn into nerd man. And then I create the, the thing I need to create. Yeah, good. That's awesome. It, it's, it's good to have any kind of 
technology knowledge behind you when you're doing anything nowadays because when Colt and I first started the podcast we just realized we don't know much of anything <laughs> at all and you know I'm used to using devices computers phones things like that but then we had to build right. a website we had to we had to uh, upload the podcast and and work with all these different things that we wasn't used to and right. I realized how important having that technological uh, experience and, and the know-how is to doing anything nowadays because you got to get the message out there well, and I also think just in broad terms, it's very valuable to have a, a skills uh, stack. It, Scott Adams talks about that in a couple of his books and having a stack of skills. So you can be okay at one thing, okay at another thing, okay at another thing, but you're still better at the person who's really good at only one thing mm. because you're able to do those other things. So getting your hands dirty in a lot of different things is really important. It's kind of like going to school and getting a degree in engineering, but you're also pretty savvy on marketing. You're going to be much more valuable than someone who is all about the engineering but has no clue how to put their stuff out there. That's a great point. Right. It's a great point. I, I work in the mental health industry, and uh, in my current position, I had to learn how to market. I learned, had to learn how to market the particular programs that we are uh, that we developed and now that we're facilitating. And so that was something that wasn't in my skill set at all before. I was used to mm -hmm. going to a job, uh, either pushing buttons or, or turning a wrench or, or hitting, you know, whatever. I, I was used to doing that kind of thing. And then uh, went back to school and, and then started to work with mental health clients. But then we had to get the word out there. Hey, we need, we want your clients to come to us. And having that marketing skill behind that is something that I'm still developing. But oh, yeah. I've realized how important it is to network, how important it is relationship building, all these things. And right. I have projected myself outward on that as well to know that that's important for anything that you do, whether, whether it it's is. podcasting, whether it's writing a book, whatever, whatever the case may yeah. be. It is. And especially if you're an entrepreneur or want to be an entrepreneur or have the entrepreneurial spirit, uh, if you're doing anything, all that stuff is, is on your shoulders. I mean, it's just no matter what you do as an entrepreneur, you're a salesman. Mm. You know, you're always selling yourself. You're always marketing yourself. You're always making these connections that you're talking about. So it's so important to keep out there and network. But I think, you know, and this, this is one of the many words that makes me throw up because people use it so much, but like authenticity, but mm. it's really important to be authentic and just be you because that's ultimately what you're selling is just who you are. Yeah. Right. James, does your company not offer any kind of classes or anything like that that or as far as networking goes, or you just kinda of learn on your own no, as you go? They just kick you out of the nest and here you go. <laughs> you, this is you know, this is your job now. Right. But I, I like that. You know, I like having that creative freedom. Right. Where, where you just kinda of get to go and, and you know, flourish or not. Right. Fall right. flat on your face. But right. it, it kind of forces you to grow that skin so that, you know, you, you learn along the way. If you're doing it right, even when you if you don't well, you succeed. <laughs> Right. Yeah, sure. Right. Even if you don't succeed, yeah. you learn a lesson from that and it, and it builds you up for the next time around or whatever the case may be. You right. know, you should try being an, try being an independent entrepreneur for 10 years and then apply, apply for a normal job. You'll <laughs> find it's so different because you can apply for a job and they'll say, yeah, so we give you this time if you're sick and we pay you for it. And you're, and you're like, wait, what? I get to stay home and you pay me and then I get to leave for two weeks and then you pay me for that. Like vacation, sick time, stuff like that is like, is like completely, it's from another planet and, uh, it makes entrepreneurs super valuable. I have a, I have a, a client and a friend who's also a headhunter and a public speaker. And he, um, he tells me about that as just how valuable entrepreneurs are to be hired, but the businesses don't get that because they think they're going to be bored. And they're right. I mean, in a lot of cases, these people come aboard and they're like, well, 
can't I just do everything? <laughs> like, you, you just want me to do this thing? I mean, I'm willing to do all this other stuff on my shoulders. So, because you have to as, as an independent. Wow. So you're kind of conditioned to do everything. And then when you try to get back into the saddle of, like, as you put it, normal, a normal job, yeah. normal business, I could see how that would be tough. We talked yeah, to, I don't, I, Go ahead. Yeah, and I don't want to say it's too easy, but it's just like there's so much less responsibility when you're used to being the bottom line and everything. When you say, no, that's right. I'll make sure that happens because it's on my shoulders. Mm. Wait, someone else will take care of that. <laughs> really? Okay. Right. Yeah. It's hard to let somebody else take any of that away from you too. You almost kind of like a control freak when it comes to that kind of a situation. Well, exactly. And that's another thing that people do worry about when they try to hire an entrepreneur out from the cold <laughs> uh, is that will this person be able to be a team player? You know, and of course, you are. You have to be because that's how you get stuff done. Nobody goes back into their cave and goes, "Okay, I'm done." They always rely on other people. They outsource something, or they or they count on someone else to help them with something. You know, and it's interesting when you're when you're an independent entrepreneur uh, or solopreneur, as I call it. Um, you tend to create these relationships with people that would normally be partners. Uh, or team members in your work. Like I have somebody in the UK, she's a, she's actually a dating coach and she is, she's kind of mentored and talked to me about a lot of things about Instagram and how Instagram works and how I should be promoting stuff on there. So, and we talk all the time, you know, and in, in, a, in the real world, in a normal job, that would be somebody who's in an office or in another office that would be in the marketing department that you would talk to. So you do tend to build these virtual teams, you know, ad hoc, which is actually really cool. That's a very interesting concept you just brought up there, Mark, like how networking actually becomes part of a team, kind of like the, the, just a team that's maybe spread out across different countries and things like that. And you've got someone yeah. who's going to help you with marketing, maybe someone who you would be the guy probably, but someone who is going to help you with the tech, someone's going to help you with the, the, the web development, things like that. Someone is going to help you with this and, and, and that. That's a very interesting concept that I never really I never really put that together as far as networking and having that team spread out across the board like that. Yeah, it's like it's like an enhanced networking instead of just saying, oh, we're going to network and talk in this. Well, then what happens next? Well, this is the person I can count on for X. This is the expert on this. And it's really interesting. You find that there are these people who are literally willing to give hours and hours of their time and their professional uh, take on things, very candid professional take on things. And they'll say, well, that really sucks. I would never do that. No, I wouldn't go take those classes because of this and that. And then you think, well, wait, don't I pay you for this? Or wait, what are you getting out of this? And they say, well, it, that's just the way it works. And you don't get that until you do the same thing and someone comes to you and then you start mentoring them and you start giving them all this advice and they count on you for things because it's so easy because you're familiar with this core thing that you can help them with and say, well, that's fine. Here, let me just give you some answers. And a two-minute conversation with a human being beats like two weeks of research in a, in a thing that you don't get. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So let's, Mark, if you don't mind, let's get to the origin of, of this wisdom that you're carrying with you today. Uh, w when I first asked you uh, about yourself, <laughs> you started off by saying, when I got divorced and took my kids to a psychologist, that right there, I'm off to the races. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I got to know what, what it is in your life experience that has set you on track here. Because um, it took you to some pretty interesting concepts, and, yeah, and I'm sure you've had a, a lot of knowledge building experiences along the way. So if you could start us off way back in the day and tell me about um, how that all got started. Yeah, in fact, my biggest problem is the excessive amount of things that I've gone through to to try to put that to try to articulate that in a in a smaller way. So let me let me do that. So sure. so yes, you kind of hit right on it. And in, in fact, in the, some of the talks I've given, I talk exactly about that moment. 
so I went through a divorce, which was which was a, a little a little odd. And a lot of people would say, well, all divorces are odd. But but mine was a bit odd because things took a really bizarre left turn. And I was somebody who didn't think that forever was 13 years. I thought forever was forever. Right. And so because that's how I commit to things. So I did everything I could, you know, signing us up for marriage counseling and all other stuff. But clearly things were not going right. And there was some bizarre stuff going on. So eventually I found the strength to file. And that strength to file was not, I never would have had that had it not been for the kids. I mean, because, and that's when I started to learn later on in the status game about our gauges. So my parenting gauge was set slightly higher than the um, husband gauge. Mm. I couldn't see, I couldn't see them hurt. So that gave me the strength. And so when I mentioned the psychologist, well, I didn't know what was going on. This was all bizarre stuff to me. I was just, I was holding things together. I would take walks with him every single day. We have a, we have a, um, uh, a cemetery nearby so it's like a really quiet park and so <laughs> we would we would take walks there and i would just listen i would just listen i would be objective but it was incredibly exhausting to be objective and even looking back now i'm just amazed that i i, I didn't say anything negative i was just like okay tell me what's happening and you know so through that i thought well we should probably go to a psychologist and it wasn't it wasn't like a court sanctioned one and they do that eventually so I took them there because I thought about like Obi-Wan and Darth Vader, like you have the best intentions and you're like, oh crap, look what I did. So I, um, I took them and we had a number of visits and she said, you're doing everything right with them. And you're just, you know, they're as solid and stable as you could possibly imagine in the situation they're in. And I went, great. And then she looked at me and she said, what are you doing for you? Mm. And I just sort of, I just sort of stared at her and I was like, uh, I'm not. And then th that was when I realized that you really do have to take care of you or there's nothing left of you to take care of them. And so that's when I figured that out. And that's when the whole mask metaphor that lots of people use. I thought I was really smart when I used it, but apparently not. But like, <laughs> in my, you know, but in my talks, I, I, I put up the little, um, the little uh, graphic of in a plane where they say, put your mask on first. And it's really counterintuitive. And you're like, no, I'm not going to let my daughter die. Uh, she gets it first. If you put it on yourself first, you can then help her. If you don't, you could go away and then she's lost. So um, I learned to put my mask on first, I guess, from that. And that's when I started to learn about balance. I was like, wow, it's not doesn't sound very sexy. It doesn't sound very interesting. But balance is so infinitely important in your life. I mean, you hear about these people who work their 12-hour days and they're miserable and they ruin their marriage or these people who, who go off and do something else. And you, when you meet an imbalanced person, you can tell because they're like a little too fanatical on something. And when you start to talk about something else, you lose them. And so um, I realized balance was important. So I was like, okay, life is balance. And what is life made of? And so I figured out life is made of only three things. And no matter what you're doing in life, there's only three things. It's time, energy, and resources. And sometimes you get one of those. But for the most part, you're spending at least one or two. So you go to work and you give them your time and you give them your energy and they give you resources in the form of a paycheck. You can go do something like talking, for example. Talking for some people is exhausting. They're an introvert, so they don't want to talk. So that actually takes energy. For us, probably, we get energy by talking. So we have this balance of time, energy, and resources in our life, just like, and I know I'm kind of rambling, just like you want to write a novel, right? And you think, I got home from work. I have four hours. I can write a novel. Well, I don't have any energy. I have the time, but work and all the damn drama at work and all the other stuff. And okay, all that stuff took so much out of me. 
can I just want to watch uh, Bachelor Island now, or just I just want to watch TV now? You know, that's that. So I realized that that was important, and it even played a part in weight loss. So if somebody says I'm going to lose weight, they go yeah, and they make their resolution, and they're going to lose weight, and they cram it into their schedule every Tuesday. God damn it, every Tuesday I am going to lose weight, and so they cram it in there, and then like by the third Tuesday they're like this is not working on my schedule and this sucks and I, I, I sleep bad. So their, their, their schedule forcibly ejects that. And now, now the planet fitness that they pay every month doesn't care because now it's six months later and they haven't seen that guy because he's on the, he's on a payment plan, which is why they do that. Right. So you, so if you don't make the time to do a thing, it's not going to happen. If you don't have the energy for a thing, you don't, it's not going to happen. If you don't have the resources to, to, to support it, it's not going to happen. So, I, I figured out all that stuff. And that all came from that that one moment in my life. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I just saw a, a meme. Okay. I love memes. <laughs> Let me just throw this out here, Mark. I'm a, I'm a meme uh, miner, if you will. But I just saw a meme that spoke to me. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it said, what happened to me was devastating. But the uh, the, the result that I became was magical, right? So it, it's just what you're talking about. This very difficult situation. It's a very difficult time. Uh, and if you're looking, it's cliche-ish very much so, but if you're looking for opportunity within a crisis, then chances are you're going to grow from that crisis, right? You're going you're gonna to flourish. You're going you're gonna to get tougher, but you're also going to learn so much that you can take with you. And if you don't utilize that knowledge along uh, after after that that experience, then you're not gaining the full benefit of that experience. Devastating as it was, I'm sure, it's bringing you to a, a different place, to a much stronger place, to a much wiser place. It did, and that wisdom kept coming out, <laughs> and the wisdom. So then, to me, what I was starting to discover was not only was life made of three things, but we spend it on five things. So no matter what activity you're doing, whether you're podcasting or you're bowling or you're on date night, you, there's five facts assets of life. So I envisioned, I have it right over there. I probably can't reach it, but I envisioned, maybe I can reach it. So I envisioned that we have this flask. See, this is our time, energy, and resources, right? And so during life, we pour it out. We pour a little here. We pour a little there. And then at the end of the day, it's only eight o'clock, but it's empty. And you're like, ah, crap. (laughs) And so we have to figure out how to pour out certain amounts into our little buckets. Mm. So if you're going to have a hobby, you're going to meet with the guys or whatever, or you're going to work on your marriage, you have to have enough in there or that stuff's going to suffer. Mm. So that's that's where that came, and that's where that's where alchemy for life came from. Because because to me it wasn't magic and it wasn't chemistry. It was alchemy. It was sort of a mixture of science and kind of an art. Yeah. And that's what that's what alchemy for life is. And that's like my way of figuring out how to get your stuff done in your life. Because everyone else is like, well, you can reach this goal, and we can do it, and yay, and cheerleading, and yay. And then they leave, and they say, can I have some money? So for <laughs> me, it was it was no, 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 no. Let's take a step back. What are you doing for fun? What are you doing for productivity? What are you doing for your spirituality? What are you doing for um, uh, for learning? So on all the columns, people would fill those out and they go, oh my God, no wonder I'm tired. Or, oh my God, yeah, I don't do anything for myself. And I had somebody hire me on the spot as a coach because they said, I want to find my fun. Obviously, you can help me find my fun. So they had all their goals done, but they had nothing that in their life that con- they considered fun. It was like nothing in their fun column. Hmm. So that's where Alchemy for Life came from. And w- what point did you create the system? Like what, how many years ago was this? <sighs> Two. So I'm, okay. uh, you're going to ask me time-related answers, and I'm going to give you answers, and you're going to go, no, you're lying. So because um, this, is, this is just the first one, trust me. So um, <laughs> <laughs> because feel free to ask me how long it took me to write four books. So um, 
when it comes to the alchemy, it took me two years ago. I wrote it, but I'm when I get the idea, nothing else happens until it's done. And when I when I see nothing else happens, I don't mean I don't get out of bed or take care of my kids. I mean, it's 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 I get obsessed in a way that I go, I think I can do this, and then I make it happen. So I not only did I build the system, I wrote the 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 website from scratch with forms and logic and and a chat system and all that stuff based on that system I just described. So I, I built a system and then I built a system in the cloud to support that. So that became Alchemy for Life. And and that took like a couple months to do that. Um, you know, if you paid someone to do that, we're talking about, you know, like a thousand man hours or something and a, a horrific amount of money <laughs> to mm. create something like that. But I didn't have to pay me really. I just had to keep keep me going and keep me motivated. Wow. So yeah. g- give us a, you've, you've mentioned Alchemy for Life, but give us a pretty good description of what that actually is. What is the system that you speak of, this, this Alchemy for oh, Life? Oh, and, I, and, and, I, and, it's so, and it's so um, deceptive. I told you most of it already, and you didn't realize it. So really what the system is, is that people come to me and they say, I want to do this, I want to do that. And essentially they fill out the balance sheet, which is on my site. So it's five columns. It's, 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 and I might miss one. It's, it's fun, productivity, slash obligation, uh, spirituality, learning, and health. Okay, that's that's everything in life essentially you can fit in those buckets. In some cases, something will cross. If you like yoga and go to a yoga class, for you yoga is is um, spirituality. It's also in the column of health, and it's also in the column of fun. I mean, it depends, right? So a lot mm-hmm. of stuff is in some columns. You'll find the most meaningful things in your life cross over some columns. They're not just this is only fun. No, it's fun. And it's kind of learning, you know. Right. So people fill out the sheet. And then we kind of talk about what they want to do. Well, well, what, why did you come here? Did you want to accomplish something? Are you just feeling like you have no direction? And then we figure it out versus these people who say, I can help you do that thing. But they never take the step back and go, well, he can't do that thing because he doesn't have any time. Or he can't do that thing because he's busy. He's a single dad. He doesn't, he, he doesn't have the energy to do that. Right now is a bad time for that. Or someone will actually figure out they want something after they've figured out the sheet. Like, oh, Oh, yeah, I really do like that. I never wrote it down before. I should probably do that more. I get a lot of kicks out of that. And that's what it is. So it's just a system where I use video. So anywhere in the world, and we have like a weekly meeting for an hour. But the nice thing is people can type in the chat system and it records it um, if they if they, if they they need something or they tried something. Because I actually went to a coach when I was trying to make that whole marriage thing work. And um, you go there after a week and he says, so how was your week? And you're like, wait, we're going to spend 20 minutes on that now? And so it was like, it was a complete waste of 20 minutes if we had communicated in the interim between those two dates. So I was like, I'm not wasting anyone's time. I'm not doing that. So that's the system essentially in a nutshell. Okay. It sounds like it's it's highly predicated on balance, life balance, right? So is that well, it's accurate? Certainly, it's certainly, it certainly comes right. In fact, it's um, indirectly. Yeah. So it's like we don't approach it from a standpoint of balance. But balance always seems to happen at the end. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. What do you, what do you think, in your opinion, is the most what's the what's the most common barrier to having balance in life for for most people? I, I think they get caught up in 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 the day to day rat race of being a human, and and they they get caught up in either parenting or earning a living, or you know they're fooled by social media because everyone's taking pictures of their food and their and their and their um their vacation They're like man I want that mm-hmm. even though these people took the 2 seconds in their vacation that were pleasant but you don't see the a lot of the unpleasantness and the boredom that they had so I think people get caught up in, in a lot of that stuff they're just so worried about 
getting that thing done or doing what everyone else is doing that they don't realize that the 20 minutes you just sat there sipping some tea, looking out the window or petting your dog is like just as important as the other stuff. Mm, right. Yeah. And I think for me personally, I think one of the things that helps me as far as balance or any of the, any of these factors that you're, that you're bringing up is realization. I need to be reminded that I need balance in my life. I need to be reminded that it's not all about the grind. I have, I have kids at home. You know, I've got, I've got a family. Uh, I've got some things I like to do. I've got to take time for podcasting. I've got to take time for this and that. And if I put my grind into just one thing, then I kind of lose focus. I kind of lose perspective on that whole, you know, that whole piece of, of what is my life. And right. so I, I, need, I need that realization first and foremost, because if I'm not paying attention, if I'm not mindful of where I am in my life and, and where things are going and how much time I'm putting into this and that, I tend to grind to a halt. You know, there's going to be a stopping point where right. I'm like, oh, I'm just exhausted. <laughs> I don't like you were saying earlier, Mark, I don't have time for this thing over here because, well, either I don't have the time or I don't have the, the energy anymore. Uh, and that happens if I'm not careful. That will happen to me nine times out of ten when I'm trying to finish a project of some kind. Right. And and so what you can do so that you're you're in less danger of that happening, because if you have a pretty strong drive, that's a that's a danger. Um is to have these scheduled things that you do. Like like every week I go to yoga class kind of thing or every 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 Friday is date night with my wife kind of thing. You know, when people have that sort of thing, even when they kind of fall out of balance, it's like, "Oh yeah, that's right. The calendar told me, hey, knock it off." You know? So I think those are some really simple things you can do to just stay on track with things. Mm. And what what things real quick what, uh, back to the whole put your mask on first is what people forget a lot is like is like being nice to themselves and and being good to themselves because people will only treat you as well as you do. And so uh, this whole self-care and self-love thing, which we hear about constantly, but nobody tells you, well, what is that? What are we supposed to do? Should I go out and buy some brownies? You know, what do you want me to do? So it's what makes you happy and just and not feeling guilty about it, you know, and just going, well, no, this is cool because it's so different when you just say, screw it, I'm doing what I want for this because I like it. And then when you're done, you have so much more energy to put up with the nonsense of life. If your kids are crabby and everything, it's okay because yesterday you got to do the thing you really wanted. So right. this is fine. Yeah. So when you when you were initially creating this, were you creating this system for yourself or were you thinking about how how this system can affect other people? And like at the end of this, what is the ultimate goal of the system? Is it just happiness? Is it just balance? Or does it mean something different for everybody? Yeah, uh, great questions. And I think the answer is sort of yes to everything you just said. I kind of made it selfishly for myself because I thought, well, no, stop thinking so hard, just make it. And then when I made it, I thought, oh, this is sort of universally applicable. And then I looked even harder and I'm like, wait, this does all that stuff all the other things do. This actually manages relationships. This actually manages goals. This actually helps people who don't have any energy. So like it's sort of an overarching universal system as, as tremendous as that sounds, but that's really what it is. And if you make a system like that, it can only be something that's an ongoing thing. It's not a here's the magic bullet. Thanks. You're rich. You know, like those books, like all the books for 200 pages and you're like, Oh, there's two bullet points in there. Thank you so much for wasting my time. (laughs) Uh, you know, and so the way the system works is that it is sort of an ongoing every so often kind of look kind of thing. And it, it is sort of for everyone and it is an ongoing, whatever happiness kind of means to you. Right. Yeah. That's, that's very interesting too. It, it, 
triggers my thoughts in line of anything that's especially creative endeavors, I guess, but just about anything. Like if you're writing a book, you need to write a book that you would enjoy reading, right? If you're making a podcast, you need to make a podcast that you would enjoy listening to. Uh, if you're making a piece of music, it's always helpful to make a piece of music that you would enjoy listening to that you'll like because then there's probably going to be other folks out there that like it, right? And so right. something like Alchemy for Life is working for Mark Bradford, then chances are there's going to be a a, a cross section of people out there that that's going to work for as well, and I think that's right. really how you get how you get that traction going. What do you think about that? And I, and I guess I, I I used that same principle when I made the dating site. I was like, well, what do I really want to? And it was a little narrow minded because when I made the dating site, I was like, okay, I'm interested in meeting somebody for a long term serious relationship. I don't want to hook up with 19 people. Mm-hmm. You know, as as fun as it sounds, um, I, I I don't. I want actual. You know, I want a committed relationship. So I built the site based on that whole concept. And I know there are a lot of people who use dating sites and other sites for something other than that, which is why there's so much stigma about it. But yeah, I did say, what would Mark, what would, what does Mark need as a dating site? That's very interesting. Talk about the dating site a little bit. What's, uh, what's it composed of? So, so, okay. So I looked at all the dating sites and found they were all backwards and they were all evil. Okay. Uh, just, <laughs> Interesting. A, just a minor statement. Not, not to not you know not to give you any hyperbole or anything, but um, so all the dating sites want is for you to be engaged and to give them your money. Mm-hmm. Okay. They do not want you to find anyone because if you find someone, you stop using it. Right. But, uh, it's sort of like the doctor giving you something. If you just take this thing once, you'll never come back. Oh. Okay. Um, so so what happens is they they connect you with people. And they keep you engaged. They even do little tricky things on an app where the app will stay connected even when you're not. So that the other people go, oh, look, he's online. Oh, and I wrote to him and he didn't write back to me. What an asshole. You know, that's the way that that works. So that's why people get so angry on dating sites is they think they're engaging when they're not. You'll write to somebody with all of your heart and say, oh, my God, you're great and I really want to meet you. And the dating site will go, and what about her? And her? What about these? And you're like, I I just wrote to her. I, I, you know, it'd be like you walk into a Starbucks and you see this beautiful woman and you're like, Hey, how you doing? Great. And as you're walking out, the burst is like, what about her over there by the door? Why don't you stop by her too? No, I'm not going to stop by her. So <laughs> that's what the, that's how the dating sites work. I'm like, I got to get rid of that. So I made a really simple dating site in which people connect. They, they see the pictures because all the dating sites for all the 85, you know, levels of involvement and all the other nonsense they tell you, you know, is basically you look at a, a postage stamp size picture and you go, mm, Tunga like, you know, that's really <laughs> basically, that's really, that's, that's what evolution and everything has, has, has taught us that in seven seconds we decide whether we like someone or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's not a shallow thing. It's just the way life works. Right. And so, so we look at somebody and say, yes. So once you connect with somebody, if they like you too, it puts the two people together and then it only gives them about seven, seven facts about them. Okay. And that's something I didn't like on the dating sites was like, they don't need to know, know your religion. They don't need to know um, how much you make. They don't need to know a bunch of secret, private, personal stuff about you because you just met them and you don't even haven't met them. So I thought, well, what would you basically gain from standing in line at like a Starbucks and talking to someone small talk? You'd know pretty much their height. You'd know kind of their age. You'd know um, whether they smoke or not because that's probably important. Um and you'd know whether they have kids or not. Something like that where you just be, and where they live. So that's all you get to see. And then you can decide if you want to talk with the person. And then if both people say they want to talk, as opposed to a woman connects with me and, and it says, oh, I have 13 children. And then she's like, oh, next. Um, I don't have 13 children. I only have two. Um, and so then it goes to that next level where people get to chat. And then I'm chatting on the site. The site actually reminds you 
after a certain amount of chats and says, what are you doing here? Did you want to meet or not? Because like, it actually tells you to say, you should do something. You guys have been talking enough because you don't want a pen pal. You want to meet someone. And then if you've met, then you both can say, I've met. And that's the end of it. Now stop using my site. It's a tool. We're done. So that's the way I built the site. One other thing, too, is that when you like somebody on the site, you can only like two other people after that. Meaning, I can only have three outgoing connections. Because in real life, I'm thinking, I don't care what kind of stud boy you are, there's only going to be three people you're really, truly interested in. Any more than that, and you're just, it's nonsense. So the site actually prevents you. So if you see a woman you really like, let's say, on the site, can't do that unless you drop one of the other connections. Mm. Wow. And then you can have as many incoming as you want. Because it's not up to you who likes you. But outgoing, you can only have those three. And it even has a little timer on it with a little icon that shows how long it's been since you guys have talked. So if something's getting really stale, like, I guess that's not going to happen, then it just sort of falls off. Wow. I would, I would say yeah. he's right. He's doing the opposite of what any market does. It's like, you're, we're here to do a job and then get out. That's it. There's no there's yeah. no uh, ongoing thing here. You're actually trying to bottleneck people into a relationship. Right. You actually <laughs> want to see people succeed in a relationship, right? That's exactly, that's, yeah, that's exactly right. I know it's crazy, yeah. which is why it doesn't make any money. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's a completely free site. It's still up. I paid, you know, I built the thing myself. I pay for the hosting and all that stuff. So it's just sort of an altruistic thing. Um, I probably get one or two new members a day or so. But the problem with it is it didn't, it doesn't have critical mass. And so what it needs is it needs X amount of people in a zip code in a physical area. So like I could have, 50,000 people on this site, but if you meet the only people you meet are in Kansas and you're living in Milwaukee, nothing's going to happen. So I, you know, and I've thought of marketing it to a specific segment and just trying to build it up. And that, that, that's on the back burner because I'm doing all these other things, but, um, you know, so I may still do that. Interesting. And so only a glance, right? Title yes, of the, of the day, yes. onlyaglance.com. Yes. So you mentioned the how you how you see someone because of uh, primal instincts, because of evolution, what have you, uh, seeing if you like someone within seven seconds. Is it hence the name, Only a Glance, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Because it just takes a glance, yeah. So And it, at a glance is taken because it's a calendar. So <laughs> Okay, right, okay. <laughs> so it's only a glance, yeah. So on top of that, you've also written books on relationships. Yeah, I, I, two, yes. Two books. So it yeah. seems like that relationships, dating, relationships, things like that, um, is a very important subject for you. It's something you put some thought into, not, not just the, not just having a relationship or whatnot, but I guess the strategy behind it and, and the pitfalls of people dating on a typical dating site, things like that. And so you've written books. Tell us a little bit about your books. Sure. So the first book, uh, my very, very first book, and it shows, uh, <laughs> so don't read that one. It is, um, <laughs> it's called, it's, it's called the status game and it's basically about, um, mostly about online dating. Mm. And so in the back of my mind, I started to figure out this little status thing, but I wasn't quite sure what it was yet. So then, so if you don't mind, then, then I jumped to the status game two. And the status game two is about all relationships. And it's not just, it's not just you and your wife, it's you and your kids and you and your friends and you and your boss and you and your peers and you and every and your sister, everyone. And because we all, it all is based on the same thing. And I know this is going to sound crazy and you're going to be like, no, you didn't find plutonium but yeah it, it's based on status and there's two kinds of there's two general kinds of status so status as in stature you know and it kind of how oh you're really attracted to this person because they are you know it's the mayor you know this is somebody who's really important they're a superstar da, 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 da. Um, but there's also our status gauges which i talked about before so each one of us has 
special gauges mentally, I picture it that way, about certain things. So you may be attracted to somebody who is energetic. You may be attracted to someone who's flexible. You may be attracted to someone who is very dependable, someone who's friendly, someone who's nurturing and kind, et cetera, et cetera. And if you look on your gauges, depending on where the needles are, you know the kind of person you're going to be attracted to. And so I figured out we all have these status gauges. And I, where do you put them? You put them on a dashboard. So we all have this dashboard of gauges. Now, we actually have more than one because the way that we pick the person that we're going to spend, want to spend our life with intimately is, um, I'm trying to say that politically correct as possible these days, um, is based on one dashboard, sort of your lover dashboard. Then we have another one that's sort of our dashboard for us. Like when you look in the mirror and you like yourself or you don't like yourself, that's where the other dashboard is in. That's where your self-esteem comes from. That's where your happiness and your overall fulfillment in life comes from. So if you say, you know, this podcast is going to take off and no one's not going to know about your podcast. Well, that's, that's a big deal when you look in the mirror and if you go, oh my God, this is failing and this is terrible and nothing's happening, you feel bad because that's important. Okay. That then we have the final dashboard, and that's how we, we get friends. We judge our friends based on this third one. And without telling you way too much information, the friend dashboard is very different intrinsically than the lover dashboard because with the lover dashboard, we want to see it. With the friend dashboard, we want to assume it. And so that's why when you get connected with your wife or girlfriend or what have you, you kind of see whether all the stuff that you assumed about her was true. You, you get to know her. You know, you get to know them really well and you go, yeah, so on my gauge of good mom, she's a good mom. On my gauge of energetic and takes care of herself, yeah, I'm a gauge of high, high earner, yes, I saw that. With your friend, you don't know because you're having a beer with him. He's just, you know, it's fine. With your friend, as long as you have this friendship going and you assume that he has these gauges that you like, you're good. And that's why everyone has crazy Eric. You know, he has, you know, your friend, why do you like that guy, dude? Guys, you know, oh, he's nice. He's got a good heart, you know, da 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 Because you just assume that you're in line with that, but you don't really look too closely. And so that's kind of, so I describe all three of those dashboards in the book. I describe the most important feeling, the, the thing that drives us, the thing that makes people build pyramids and cheat on their wives and, and, and run to other countries, that one feeling. So feel free to guess. What, do you, what pops in your mind if I say that? One feeling. One feeling is more powerful than anything else you can you can imagine in life. Oh, man. Okay, so let me throw this out here. Um, one feeling that's that's really been powerful in my past relationships especially, uh, jealousy. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Otherwise, it would be insecurity. Okay. All right. Okay. So, so what you did is you touched on the reverse of it. So Okay. So, and because in life, basically, we move towards pleasure and we move away from pain. And so, you've taken that feeling and tried to move away from it, right. which is the jealousy and the, it's it's the V word. It's validation. Ah. And you might, some people might say, well, love is the most important feeling. Love is a byproduct of validation. Love is a way to show validation. So, if you feel validated. That's the end all be all. That's it. That's the ultimate. That's good night, everyone. Thank you for playing. That's that's it. So, and the validation comes in all sorts of forms. So, in your relationship with your girlfriend or your wife, let's say, there's a number of validations that can come. This person that you think is really awesome, she's like a nine on this gauge, and yet she likes you. 
more than anyone else. Mm. Wow. Okay. Just like uh, I give an example of little little Susan in 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 the status game too. In um in kindergarten, everybody hands out the valentines, right? Um, the the, the little valentines things, then uh-huh. they end up throwing them away. Um, everybody gets them. All thirty kids, so everyone goes home with thirty different valentines. Well, she gets one from Tommy, and she's like, "Oh my, why he gave me a valentine? He gave he gave twenty nine other kids valentines, including <laughs> boys. Who cares? And a teacher. But she's like, "Oh my God, Tommy gave this to me." And she's clutching it like it's like the ring from Sauron. You know, she's like, "Oh my God, the one that ruled them all." And um, the reason is, is because his validation far exceeds everyone else's. And the reason his does is because she gives him that power, which is the same way it works in a relationship. Mm. Like, he looked at me. Oh, my God, he looked at me. Well, 20 other people looked at you, and so did the bus driver. Yeah, but he looked at me. Because they give that person the power, and then when they get real evaluated with this powerful being, there ain't nothing beating that. And that's why people cheat. I'm not saying that's why they should, but that's why people cheat on their wives. That's why people do all sorts of terrible things. Mm-hmm. It's even why people stay at companies they hate. You know this guy who, who works at a company, he just despises it, but he's validated. Well, it's one of the top 10 law firms. Well, it's one of the best marketing places in town. Well, da 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 Yeah, but they treat you like crap and they don't pay anything. I know, but so he feels validated in some ways from that. And it just, it, it has so much control over us. Same thing with self-validation. You do a thing and you're like, yeah. Or even when you're buying your toys or technology, if you ever think about it, you can follow mentally where you're like, should I get that watch? Should I get that car? Should I get that thing? You don't go, yeah, that would be cool and useful and technical. You go, oh, someone would see me in it. Oh, that felt good. Oh, someone would look over and see that I'm, hmm. And now you're like, you're going through the motions of the validation this thing gives you. And then you go, well, now I have to get it. Okay, I'm getting it. Interesting. Interesting. Very, so, so, very it's like, so. so it's like the stuff that's not necessarily... The stuff that's not necessarily as important is what validates you, and that to you outweighs the things that are more important in the situation, right? Well, I mean, there are there are the positive validations too, because you can be validated. For example, if if you say, uh, you know, I want to be an author, and you start writing and stuff, and somebody who's an author says, "Hey, that's really good. You should keep it up." That's some great validation. Mm-hmm. Just like you know, love. You you're you're in love with with somebody. Or your kids. The validation from your kids, and you know, you feel like a good dad because of something your kids said. Man, you know, it's it's all. It's not only the unimportant stuff, but the important stuff. It's just a. We live to be validated, and that's 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 right. it. And I know people can argue with that and say, "Well, that's not true." I do this for altruistic, but the altruistic cause is validation. So that's right. There's always yeah. that. There's always a root there. So anyway, I talk about that, and then what you touched on before is actually something akin to what I call reverse validation, which sucks. It's horrible. It's the worst thing that you can possibly um, experience. It's it's the opposite. It's all the good of validation flipped around into the evil devil universe. It's 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 terrible, and it's what causes people to have like excessive jealousy and all the other stuff because that feeling, and you don't want that feeling because no, I am an important person. I am better than the other people. So it's it's a very powerful thing. Very much so. Some a lot of things blowing up my mind here, right? But uh, <laughs> one one thing in particular, it was something that. Uh, my wife and I were talking about not too awful long ago because someone we know was going through a divorce and it kind of came out of the blue, right? It was like, bam, she was she was done with the relationship. And we were like, what? And so we were trying to figure it out. And one thing that, that we kind of came from our discussion is status, but status change. Status change during the relationship. So these, these this couple was married for, I don't know, probably about 10, 13 years, if not more, maybe 16 years, something like that. And 
she had started climbing the ladder at, at, at the job, and now she's like vice president of the company, where he kind of stayed put, right? And so there was a status change. And in a superficial way, I've heard a lot that, you know, fives get with fives and sevens get with sevens on a scale of one to ten, right? Oh, she's a, she's a seven. And so she's going to be getting with a seven, nine, you know, most of the time, right? And so it doesn't just work that way on the very superficial, just based on looks. It also works in in general status. And so status, I believe, is a, it's a culmination of a lot of these things. It's how good you look. It's it's where you're at in in business and your job. It's uh, maybe whether or not you're in shape. All these things kind of contribute to status. And so that status change causes rifts in relationship. Then then in turn, um, that that relationship breaks down and it ceases to exist. So that that's, that's exactly very right. important. That's- that's exactly right, and I have, a, I have a chapter on that, in fact. I have a chapter about status quo and the status changes and what happens. And I give the example of a woman who gets attracted to a guy who, like, who he has the, 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 the soul of a poet, and he plays his guitar and all that other stuff, and he's so awesome, and she's madly in love with him, gets together with him. But then all of a sudden, reality kicks in a couple years ago, and they have to pay bills and take care of kids. And now she doesn't give a shit about this the guitar anymore <laughs> because it, her, her gauge for – for wage earner, gauge for caretaker is much higher than her gauge for his music ability. Right. You know what I mean? So, and, and that's where that happens. And the same thing happens too with what you're talking about where two people in a relationship, their gauges can change, their gauges can shrink and grow, and, um, make, and they, can, they can move on. And I give the reverse um, example of a, of a guy who was really attracted to this woman who's like super hot and super fit and all the other stuff. But he was also attracted to her brain. He was also attracted to her ability to manage things. So as they got older, even though people would say, you know, she wasn't as attractive as older, he was still just as attracted to her because he was always attracted to the other element of her as mm. well. And so I think that's what makes for good relationships and the honesty of knowing what your gauges say and all that stuff. Yeah. And hopefully if you're in a long-term relationship, you are looking for something other than looks because it's fleeting, right? That's superficial, you know, beauty is fleeting. It's not going to last forever. And and for some people it's more fleeting than others. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I right yeah, yeah. Uh, and I and I talk about in the book also about when we make a connection to someone there's that 7 seconds thing and then we make one of three connections to people. So if you make if you make any one of these connections, it'll probably make you want to walk up and talk to them. But if you make two that's enough for a relationship. And if you have three, you should do everything you can to stay with that person forever. And so one of them is a, a, a spiritual slash intellectual. Like, they really make you think like, man. And it's more likely that women make that kind of connection with men than men with women. So, you know, women will say that I'm a, um, shoot, what's the name? I don't want to say the wrong word. But when you're attracted to people, smarter people. Um, but anyway, I'll think of it later, and I'll shout it out at 3 a.m. after you guys are <laughs> sure. Um, Just give us a call. So that'll happen there. Then there's the other one is um, – well, I'm sorry. It's intellectual, and the other one is more of a spiritual. Like, wow, I have a really good heart. Like, mm-hmm. just a really good person. And that typically can turn into like a friendship if there's not a lot of physical attraction. And then the third one is physical. So if you get physically like, I can't take my eyes off that person. Oh, my God. You know – you can try to build that into a relationship. Hopefully, one of the other two kicks in. If, if neither one of those two kicks in, that's not going to last long. It's going to be fun, but it's not going to last long. So right. you can make like an intellectual and a physical connection with somebody. You have a relationship or a spiritual 
and an intellectual or spiritual or physical, bam, you know? And if you can make all three, holy crap, what are you doing talking to me? Go away. <laughs> <laughs> Go write your own book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, the, once again, the problem with a, a lot of people that I know, in my personal experience, is, of course, they, they are attracted to the physical and that's about it. They they don't they don't take the time to go any further because the physical maybe they're just really attracted to this person, and so for them at that point, that's enough. But that doesn't yeah. last. Even even if you know not not considering that beauty is fleeting or whatever, just over time that gets a little boring. If, if you don't have something else to connect to, that physical just don't cut it when you need some a shoulder to cry on or when you need yeah. you know some good advice or something like that. You know that beauty isn't going to help you out in those situations. You've got to have something more than that. And so many people that I know. Um, began the relationship simply based on that on that attraction, that physical attraction aspect. Well, a lot of times that depends on where you are in your life too. Like, I don't know if it necessarily matters with age, like whether you're 20 or you're 40, but like where are you at, are at economically and everything like that in your life and how stable you are in your life, I think changes all that as well. Yeah. You're right. You're, you're actually right about that. It, 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 when you're younger, the physical part, plays a much stronger right. uh, role in that. And part of that is evolutionary too. We're looking to mate and, and, and continue the human race sort of thing. Yes. So when you're younger, it is all about that. But as you get older, you start to see, oh, you know, I want somebody who's going to last. I want somebody who is stable. I want the familiarity and the stability with this person. And they, they have a good head on their shoulders and so forth. Yeah. Right. One other thing you touched on, Mark, that I wanted to just unpack a little bit is the, the validation point, which is which is huge, right? So we could go on yeah. for an entire podcast on this. I know you definitely sure could, could, right? <laughs> right up your yeah. alley, but I, I love it. And so it, it triggers a lot of a lot of uh, thought in, in, my, in my head. But one thing is that reverting back to the jealousy, okay? So what happens is me looking back on my life, and I used to be a very jealous person. I couldn't hardly hold a relationship because I was too jealous. And it was, it, was, it was just a big, big ongoing problem. And so what would happen as I look back is that I would see either my, my girlfriend um, validating someone else, and it could be just in, in nonverbal cues, right? And most of the time it was, or maybe it was just something that she said, the tone of voice that she used. Oh, I, I, right. I, can, I can see right through that tone. I know what you're really thinking, <laughs> right? Or right, exactly. a, a lot of nonverbals, or it could have even been someone who was validating her, and it, just in social context, right? Just in conversation, and maybe it was even one of my friends. And but it, it would, it, I could feel that emotion rise up in me, and it it caused me to have a lot of ongoing relationship issues. And looking back to what you said, it was all because of that validation, those validation points that was happening. It was ongoing. That's interesting, right. too. Like, she could have been validating somebody else and not even under, understood or realized that she was actually validating them. But now you're getting the jealousy out of it because you see it and she didn't. Right. Exactly. Because you say, well, I don't get that. Why are you doing right. that to him? I don't get that. Why, I'm not good enough. So she just said, you're not good enough by saying, well, thanks for the, for the cheeseburger. You know, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> you know, it, it, and, and, and that goes back to also your personal dashboard of your validation for you, because if you don't validate yourself enough, all the validation from someone else in the world is not enough for you because you go home and you look in the mirror and you say, yeah, you're still a jerk. You're still not good enough. You know, so you got to build that foundation first. And then all this other stuff becomes a little, you become far more resilient to the other outside validation. Mm. But it's important. And, and you find, go ahead. Go ahead. Please go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm a rambler. I was going to say, is it, is it important to find out, like, it's definitely important to find out how, what validations you need and how to validate yourself. But is it important to know, um, like, like is it important to seek out validation from others or is it more important to find out what validates you and be able to do it on your own? 
Yeah, once again, you've said an all yes question. <laughs> so I, everything you've just said is absolutely yes. It's very important to figure out what validates you, right. which is where you, what your gauges tell you. You go back to the gauges and they go, you know, I really like smart people. I really like this. I really like that. Um, I really like feeling like I'm the smartest guy in the room. I really like feeling like I've done something meaningful. Um, so if you say, yeah, that's my, my gauge is for, I have a gauge for like altruism and helping. Well, I'm going to go work at the food pantry. I'm going to do this. But if somebody says, yeah, you're so selfish, that's hurtful. If you think, no, I have a big gauge for trying to help people. Same thing with if you think you have a gauge for trying to make yourself a really bright, intelligent, perceptive person, and everyone rolls their eyes when you give them a new idea, that's hurtful too. That's very uh, reverse validation there too. And then so that's – so the the second part of what you asked, yes, if you go – if you go and seek out people who provide that kind of validation, then you're in heaven because they're giving you all that stuff that you need. And the cool thing about all this is you're not wrong. There's nothing wrong with what your your gauges are never wrong. They're just they just tell you stuff. So don't beat yourself up or feel bad that you really do kind of like people who are super attractive, or you really do kind of like energetic people, or you do like feeling smart, or you just like being alone for some reason. You know, it's okay. If you beat yourself up, you just make life miserable for yourself. Mm. And, and once again, I keep coming back to this, I feel like, but the realization that the that the gauges exist, I think, is one of the most important parts of your work because you're conceptualizing, you're, you're painting a picture of what's going on. And if someone doesn't take a step back, because I'm, I'm a very thoughtful guy, but one of the hardest things for me, especially in, in my past, one of the hardest things for me to do was to take a step back and look at myself. I was too busy looking at other people, what they were doing, why she was doing that, or, or why he does that, or, or how you know how these two are approaching each other. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's hard for me. It was it was difficult for me. I'm better at. It. I'm getting older, Mark. I'm getting I'm getting wiser, <laughs> you know, in my in my advanced years. But it's always been more difficult for me. It still is probably. Uh, but it's it's more difficult for me to take a step back and look at myself. Having the gauges analogy, right, or having having that that way to to process the what what you're actually doing is a great visualization to kind of monitor yourself and be able to take a step back and realize, okay, this is where my gauges are at. I can see that. Now I can re- respond accordingly, right? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And to that point, so what I've already done, but it's not out yet, is I've made a third book in the Status Game series called um, Discover Your Gauges. And basically it's a workbook. So basically you go through it and by answering these questions and speeding up and slowing down your brain, I'll explain that. It allows you to figure out what's on your dashboard. And so I wasn't sure yet. I'm still working out whether I'm just going to use this in seminars, like I'm going to do some seminars, or I'm going to make this like available on Amazon or something like that. And when I say speed up and slow down your brain, it's a trick I developed where if I ask you a question like, so what do you think you did this? Oh, well, let me think about that. What's the right answer? Hmm. That's slowing down your brain to answer my question. If I say, okay, why do you think this happened? Go. Um, uh, the first answer you give is going to be the right one because you didn't sugarcoat it. You didn't decide what I wanted to hear, what the right answer was. You weren't worried that you'd said that something bad or offensive. So I do that during the book where I ask questions. I go, speed up, slow down, speed up, slow down, so that people can actually figure that out. And by the end, they kind of figure out their gauges. Mm. So that's, mm. yeah, I figured that I should give somebody something tangible to figure this stuff out. Wow. Tangible, as in uh, altering their actual thought process, the speed of their thought process, to for them to give a more genuine answer. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that they can throw off that other layer. Nice. Yeah, exactly. I uh, thought it'd be kind of fun. And it'd be cool to kind of end up with going, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's why I keep going after women like that. That's why I keep going after men. That's why I always work in the finance sector. I don't like finance, but finance is dependable. It's structured. It's logical. Oh, so I get finance jobs. Mm-hmm. So I gave a talk to people who were switching jobs. And one of the things I told them was, if you figure this stuff out, you're going to have infinitely more possibilities versus I keep applying for finance jobs and I'm just not a good fit. It's because you really don't like it, but you like what it gives you. Hmm. So once you know what it gives you, look for all the other jobs that are, that are, are solid and that are, are logical and that deal with numbers. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. So from all this, you created a card game. Oh. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. I created a, a card game called, uh, it's, it's the same. Let's see if I can reach it with my little tether. Uh, <laughs> It's it's the it's called uh, the status game. So I did that. So I did the first book, then I did the status game, and then I did the second book. And yeah, the card game is kind of fun. It's sort of tongue and cheekish, but it um, essentially the way that it works is that you want you're going to marry somebody to win the game. Okay, so you date somebody, uh, you date your friends, and then you ask them to you ask somebody to date, and then eventually you ask somebody to marry you. And if you ask them to marry you, and their status is higher, you just won. If your status is higher, you just made them win. And that's it. <laughs> so, so it's just kind of, it's kind of a fun thing. It, it, it's really like a one-dimensional version of what the status game two is about. You know, all this really deep stuff that you and I just talked about, that's not what this is about for the most part. This is basically a numerical, she's a five, he's an eight sort of thing. But yeah, there, there, um, there are cards. Um, so it's really kind of fun because... There are cards like like I don't know if you can see that, but it's like like workout. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can also become a workout fanatic, and then if you become a workout fanatic, then then you're, that's stuck. And it kind of gets back to the time, energy, and resources. So certain cards are permanent in your hand. To date somebody, you have to give up something because just like in real life, you have to give up that time and that energy. Right. So you have to pick something. But if your hand is full of permanent cards, you go. I don't have time to date. And you meet people like that when you're dating, the people that work out eight times a week and the people that do this and this and this, they, they don't have time to date. So it reflects that, but it also has things, you know, it has cards that subtract and add, like there's a young kid's card that's a minus two, um, long-term relationship, long-term, uh, long-term relationship, uh, long distance relationships, a minus two, uh, because it has its ups and downs with that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, if you have an injury or if you have a bad job, um, if you have a, you know, you, if you have a good job, okay, let me back up. I know I'm all over the map. There's two kinds of cards. There's the hand cards and the table cards. The table cards are the things that you can see. So like I can look at you and see that you're attractive. I can look at you and see that you're tall. I'm not hating on you. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> I'm starting to feel really good there for a minute. Go ahead. Taylor, uh, how you doing? Val- you're being validated right now. We'll talk after the show. Uh, but, um, so, um, so like if you get the attractive card, you put that down on the table, people can see you're attractive. That's a plus four. If you're tall, you put that down too. Um, if you get the bad job card, typically that you're stuck with that forever. But unless you're attractive, then it's a temporary card because attractive people don't have bad card, uh, bad jobs. You don't see them like working fast food. If you do, it's like for a week and they're gone. Mm-hmm. So because uh, it's just the way attraction attractiveness works. So um, there are special cards. There's two special cards. Um, there's the um, um, harmless communication. And, and um, flirt. <laughs> and they look exactly the same. Surprise. And so what happens is anytime during the game, you can take the, one of those two cards and pass it to somebody else. 
And the reason you want to do that is because you want to get rid of any excess cards in your hand to make sure you have time to date. Well, nobody knows whether it's a harmless communication or, or, the, or the flirt card, right? And what, what the flirt card does is if I flirt with you and it's my turn next and I ask you out, you've been primed for asking, so now you have to say yes. So um, I, pl- I took this to a meetup, and there was this big, giant guy, and there's a couple of little nerdy guys and some women and stuff, and we all played it. And the two people were dating because it didn't matter. You know, you get a you get a gender card, but it doesn't really matter. So they're dating, and the little guy who didn't know the big guy takes a card and passes it to somebody else, and the the big guy's face just went like he was going to kill someone. And we're like, what? And 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 the little guy said, it looked it looked like you were jealous. He's like, I was. <laughs> so like, he thought he was flirting. He's like, don't flirt on me. So even in a little microcosm of a card game with people that didn't even know each other it evoked the emotion of like jealousy and stuff like that playing the game. So it was kind of, it's kind of a fun thing. It's just, it's just a fun thing. I needed to make a visual representation of kind of what I was doing. So I made a, I made a card game. So yeah, it's got some, it's got some cool cards. I had a bunch of people who played it and they wrote to me and they said, we were up till 3am playing this, not because it took so long, but because every time we'd pull a card, we'd start talking. And like one of them was injury. Because someone had been very injury prone, and so she pulled the injury card, which is which is this. It's a minus because if you've gotten an injury, well then you know you let yourself go and your self esteem kind of changes. And she's like, man, that's exactly what happened to me. And then another one of the cards was small children, and that's a minus too because you know you're juggling little kids and trying to go out and date, which is kind of I kind of went through that. And they would talk about it and go, that's what happened, and and you know so like. Each card started to spur on these conversations, which I thought was pretty cool. Hmm. So I don't know if it's a game or if it's like some sort of therapy aid right now. <laughs> I really don't know. That's exactly what I was thinking. This is like a, this is good practice, right? This is a good yeah. training tool to kind of get in touch with yourself. Like the big guy who got jealous, you know, he yeah. he realized hey, I'm getting jealous about this, and and that to me that you can you can superimpose that onto real life, right? Because this this is probably yeah. how things would go in his real life had he had a partner who was you know, validating someone else. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and at the time he didn't know if the person was flirting or if the person was just talking. So yeah, he was going on very little. Yeah. That's super interesting. Super interesting. So if, if someone, if they have their, their gauges, you, you mentioned earlier, Mark, that no one's gauges are wrong. They're just there. Right. Yeah. Um, should, how much should they try to change it? Say they play this card game, the status game. And, and he realizes that he got jealous over that. Shouldn't that be a point to work on from there? I mean, shouldn't he, shouldn't he, because he, that, that's where his gauge lies, right? That, that's where his gauge is at. And so isn't that a point to where he should try to self-improve? Well, he certainly should, but um, jealousy is not a gauge. Jealousy is just a byproduct of not feeling validated. So okay. the gauges more point towards the things that you like. Okay. So everyone likes validation. So there's no validation gauge. So all, all of each gauge represents a validation of some kind. So if you if if you look at your gauges for let's say your your lover and you and you realize you have a pretty high gauge for um, again flexibility or something like that, you'll see why you're attracted to certain people. Okay. Um, one of the one of the gauges is not only is they attractive, but there's attractive to others. So with the attractive to others one, you really like being with people that ever, turns everyone's heads. She may not be all that attractive to you because she's not even your type, mm-hmm. but you really like that. It really gets to you that everyone else looks at her. And of course, when you have that, you're pretty susceptible to the whole 
well, they're looking at you a little too much, you know. So um, that's what I mean by the gauges, though, is that we all have the gauges. Sometimes we have the gauges for nurture, nature, something happened in our childhood, something happened in our previous relationship where, man, I really wanted them. I never got it. So now I'm going to really get it. And you see that with people who just, I saw that in dating with women who just came out of a divorce. They had a bullet list of what they wanted. They almost always said, I want this, I want this, I want this. And you can tell, okay, I bet if we looked at your husband, this is the stuff he was missing. So mm. that's why you want it now. And that kind of like, that, that'll, that'll sort of calm down a little bit because you may not want it that bad because you just wanted to overcompensate for what you just went through. Okay. Yeah, very yeah. interesting. I hope I answered your. I hope I answered your question. You, you did, you did, because I was. It was. It was kind of stirring in my mind about how to use utilize all this for for self improvement. Um, the realization yeah. is important, but always trying to uh, how to fix those those little things that cause your relationships to kind of uh, fall off the wagon. You know, those kind of things that yeah. get you off track. Yeah, and it's funny that we're like we don't even think like you may not. And when I say you, I, I, I may or may not mean you personally, but you may not even think to yourself or have ever sat down and thought, what do I like about my wife? Mm-hmm. Why do I like my wife? You know, what, what, every so often at dinner, someone will say, so what brought you guys together or whatever? But you're never really going to give that answer of, well, you know, she's never going to really say, well, he was really tall, <laughs> you know, and that's a, that's a big one for a lot of women is, is the height thing, sure. you know, um, because, and, the, and a lot of times the height isn't height, height is security, but they miss They interpret it as height. Because height makes them feel secure. Okay, mm, it's kind of right. um, so they'll go after tall guys who they then think are a holes, and everyone keeps saying, "Why do you keep going after a hole tall guys?" Because they're tall, you know. And so, just that's why knowing your gauges is can help you out. And so you can say, "Oh, okay, that's why I like my wife. That's pretty cool." Because then you can kind of focus on the things you really like. Sure. Versus, you know, and say, "Well, you know, I," and even tell her that to say, "I really like that you're." X, Y, and Z. I mean, it, it's pretty meaningful for people. Mm. Wow. Mark, I knew I was going to enjoy this conversation. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize how much. This has been well, absolutely awesome. I appreciate that. But I want to give you plenty of time to tell us where everybody can find you. Tell us where all of your materials are located. Give us the dot-coms. Give us the, the, the social medias. Give us everything you can so that our people can find you because you've got a lot of great stuff out there, man. I want to make sure that we point people in your direction. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. This was a lot of fun. I, I enjoy talking to you guys, too. So Alchemy for Life, there's no com. It's literally dot life. So you spell out alchemy for dot life. So the three words. And then that is where the Alchemy for Life system is. It's where you can see the book. It'll point you over to Amazon. Um, the status game is thestatusgame.com. And that's where you can see both the two. You can read a little bit about both books and also see the card game. I built a database, of course. Um, of all the cards, so you can actually search the database of every card that's in the deck uh-huh. and what they say. Um, I thought that'd be kind of cool, and of course, why not? Um, <laughs> and then, um, let's see, uh, if you go to markbradford.org, markbradford.org is um, kind of my hub that'll kind of point you to everything else, because I just always, like you said, I have all these things going on. As far as um, social media, I'm very active on Instagram as author Mark Bradford. Um, I'm on Facebook as one Mark Bradford and um, I also, my podcast is also on Alchemy for Life. So if you go to Alchemy for Life and sign up for the list, then you automatically get the heads up of, of the weekly podcast where I talk about a lot of the stuff we just talked about too. Mm-hmm. So, and then I have an author's 
Author's Corner, is that what they call it, on Amazon. So you can see all the, all the books I've written there. I have the four books and the other short stories I used to write. So my Author's Corner on Amazon has all that stuff, too. And, and so you wrote how many books in 13 months? Four? Is that right? I just, yeah, I just four in 13 months, yeah. That's <laughs> you, what, and so, so the reason I said that was because I've decided to switch to fiction because I, I really like it. I'm like, I'm done with the nonfiction stuff. I, I, I decided I was just going to jump into fiction. And the, the, one of the things I learned in the publishing industry is that um, you're supposed to promote your book two years before you put it out there, before it's published. And I'm like, all the books that I wrote didn't exist two years <laughs> before they came out. So how could I possibly promote them? And I, the way that I write books is that I just put my head down and I focus, 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 focus until it's done. I don't want, I don't want to like show it to people. And I have a chapter, I actually have a podcast called Stolen Validation, and it's where we steal from our future self. And we do that mm. by going, isn't this neat? Look at the thing I'm doing. Look at the thing. And you didn't really do it yet. You know, and you're like, isn't this cool? Don't you think a lot of me because I started a painting class? Huh? 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 You know, so I'm all for finishing that thing and then rewarding yourself. And so with the fiction, it's been hard because I'm starting to promote it and I'm trying to figure out how do I promote this before I'm done with it. And it just feels weird. So gotcha. Wow. Then yeah. it also, it also puts a time frame on it then too, right? Like a, like if you've got two years that you've got to get this done in, if you're promoting yeah. it now versus if you're doing it, if you're doing the promotion after it's already been released, then you can just kind of do things on your own whenever you want to. Right. Right. Exactly. Pressure's on. Yeah. Mark, we would yeah. love to have you back sometime, man. This We didn't get to touch on, we've got about half, halfway down the list, I think, of, <laughs> of, of talking points. So, and we well, could have, yeah, we could go on and on, but uh, love to have you back sometime, man. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Bradford, thanks again, man. Thank you so much for having me. All right. And we're out. Thank you again to Mark Bradford. Had a great time talking with Mark. And thank you to the CEP listener. That's you. Remember that word of mouth is such a great thing, so don't forget to get out there and tell your friends and fam about the great variety that you hear on the CEP. Please subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you retrieve the podcast that you love and keep near and dear to your hearts. Give us all of your love on the socials, and be sure to visit the launching pad for all things cerebral at thecepodcast.com. And of course, if you need to contact us for any reason whatsoever, you can do that at cerebral at thecepodcast.com. That's all we got this time, folks, so be sure to keep your brains warm out there. Peace.